I think for Christmas, we need to get you new internet. We need to get Gretch a new computer. He said he's running a few minutes late because his computer is a quote unquote real piece of shit right now. What's going on with all your guys' tech support here? Well, some of it's the computer for me because, you know, as you can see now, I'm moving, I'm talking, my mouth's, you know, synced up with my words. It's pretty great. It's pretty wild. It's because I just closed out a ton of tabs. So it's not just the internet, although the internet's not ideal, but it's also the the stress that I put my computer under as I'm writing my article for NBC Sports Edge. (laughs) Check it out. (laughs) It's it's a great article. I will say, I remember, so like my process now for DFS is... Um, I've, I've talked about this on my shows where like, because I do a first look salary show, I do the swole cast. I do my Friday show. I like men in black, like zap myself after each show to just be like, whatever, like, especially today. Right. We like talked about yeah, the salaries yeah. on the swole cast. The slate's going to fucking change nine times over yeah. before. So it's like, I talk about whatever information we have at the time and then it's just fucking forget it. But my new ritual is on Saturday nights. I like to read your article and take notes down as I'm reading it. And then once I update all my information on Sunday, cross-reference it with, I just basically write down the names that you have a lean for. Like he set up for a good spot or I don't like this guy here. And then it just helps me kind of like triangulate, hey, this is a low-owned guy and Pat likes him. It's how I got Donovan Peoples-Jones into yeah. a lineup last week. And he was like one of the best pump plays on the slate. So uh, this is me saying, if you can find a way to marry you know, the numbers with, with Pat stuff, which is so good. I, I highly recommend it. And that's like how I do it myself is that I'm not like, I'm not coming in. Like Sutton was one of the guys that I liked in the walkthrough. And just so people know, like I have not looked at salaries. I'm not saying this in the, like, this isn't like, you know, he's a good player on DraftKings. I don't know what a salary is. Then I went to, I went over to DraftKings and I was thinking like, okay, like Sutton could be interesting. And obviously that wouldn't have panned out anyway, but you know, his salary, like he's like, what, $200 less than Judy. I was like, oh, well, I'm playing 0% Sutton. No, no yeah. chance of that. So it's, uh, you, you immediately have to talk like my process for it is like, I do all this stuff. Then I go over for what I'm going to do. And I, I have to toss out like 60% of it right off the bat. And then you toss out another 20% because of ownership or whatever. And then you get down, you're like, but Hey, that's still like a decent amount of stuff that you can use. So I I'm like the same way or the opposite way with like the swole cast. Cause I, I update my spreadsheet, you know, where I'm, I'm looking at ceiling projections, early ownership projections. Normally only Osimo will have early ownership projections out on like a Wednesday morning. Um, and a few other sources. And so like, I'll have a take on the swole cast. I remember it from like six weeks ago and I brought up like tight end and I was like, Johnny Smith like looks pretty good. Cause I was just literally looking at the points per dollar value based on Leone's projection and davis was like he ran like six snaps last week and like i i don't know what to say other than like i'm just looking at the projection relative to his salary right now and his ownership and it looks fine i don't know what more you want me to say <laughs> I, I went through this later oh god no no go for it uh, i was just saying like i i normally don't have the experience of that you have with the early look shows i mean you've moved it back because this whole cast you've talked about how that's kind of an early like a first look show in a way, but you're actually now doing a, a, a true first look show with, for Pat Mayo's channel, right? Yeah, I do that on, I record that on Monday afternoon and I've like, I I'm willing to improv and block and fly by the seat of my pants, but I, I do like 30 minutes ahead of time. Roto grinders will have like 
the most bare bones projections up early. Sometimes they don't even have all the players projected, but they'll have like, I think they just have a default algorithm. That's almost like QB one running back one, and then probably some kind of DVP adjusted thing. And, and so I'll go through that. And, but the second I do that show, I'm like, this was the most useless information. And at the top of that show, I'm always like caveat, lot changes, COVID injuries, new team totals. Like take this with a grain of salt. First look though, Monday afternoon, let's go. Monday afternoon. That's so, that's so early. It's so early. Do you know what? And all, but sometimes I'll look at something. I'll be like, holy fuck. Cooper cups, 9,600. How, how did this happen? Uh, oh yeah. That's God. interesting. Yeah. Uh, Ben Gretsch, how are we doing, buddy? I mean, just pissed off at my, my bullshit ass computer, but otherwise, doing great. How you guys? Right. Pat was str- Pat was struggling with his computer right before we started yeah, too. I said for Christmas we got to get it, we got to upgrade all of us. Well, it's funny. I went uh, Cyber Monday. I went and looked around a bunch, but it's just you know, I mean, don't they know it's the busiest football week of the year? Best DFS slate of the year. I mean, <laughs> like, what are they thinking? I didn't have I mean, time to make a decision. It is, is this the best it, DFS slate? It doesn't seem like a great one. I mean, no, Thanksgiving week when, oh, when they Thanksgiving. had all the computer oh, sorry, sales. Sorry. My wife yeah. was sending me stuff because I've been complaining about my computer and uh, no, I didn't I buy anything because of you know football. I well, Chris, I remember. Oh, go ahead. Well, well, just with like the laptop stuff. What are what am I even supposed to get? Because all I know, I, I know I don't know like what specs I actually need. Here's what I think that I need a ton of RAM. I think RAM is what solves the issue. Is RAM what solves the issue? But I always think got to get the most RAM available. That's <laughs> yeah. all. And then beyond that, I don't know anything. That's what I was, I was going to say to you, that's what tilted me. So it was like back in March. And I remember I was doing a clip top shot episode and I got the stream yard connectivity issue. And so my screen went like really blurry and everyone's like pixelated Pete. And I hate that nickname. Uh, and I, I basically made it my life's mission. I was like, I'm going to fix this. And I swear to God, up until this point, I have changed everything. I got a new PC, a new router, a new modem. I upgraded my internet. It was like, I don't know what the variable is, but I'm going to fucking change them all because I live on the internet recording shows. And like, right. I, I, I will tilt my face off. So I don't even really know what the variable was ultimately, but I was like, I, I have to upgrade everything. Well, you look at so you don't you didn't figure it out because your your signal's been quite strong recently. And it well, so I did so I had a PC that I hadn't converted over because I was like I'd been a Mac guy for a while and I got used to it and I'd kind of like put it off and I finally made the transition about a month ago from my Mac to a, a high powered like gaming type PC that has a bunch of RAM and so now now I've been pretty happy with the results. Okay. But I do think it's a good it's a good investment. I mean, hey, what happened on? Did you guys have an eventful lulls this week? Um, yeah, I'm seeing people yeah. posting stuff that Ben the Better's been exposed. Was and it was you guys? Was that today? Yeah. Was that an hour ago? Yeah. It was an hour ago. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, it was exciting. Are, are you familiar with Ben the Better? Yeah, I'm familiar with him, but I don't, I'm not like other than the fact that he's, you know, this Twitter account that is, you know, a terrible better. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to let this like go full top, top shot brain spilling over into this, but the TLDR is he, he's actually a parody account and Brian and I knew about this for about a month, but he recently over the weekend had a suicide threat 
And then we're like, oh, hell no. Like once you go to that realm, like it's no longer funny, like it's no good. And so we decided, all right, we'll do our exposing been the better as a troll and we exposed who it was and in all of that jazz so uh yeah the the suicide threat was was a no-go for us yeah for sure um but yeah they, the guy was had, doing, like, i saw the 5k thing with uh empire maker uh what was yeah. that, this weekend yeah so empire maker who big dfs guy if, if you ship chasers uh aren't familiar with him and he's done these kind of like free rolls in the past where he did this thing called stake a fish and he did a challenge. He's like, whoever can send me the most absurd, like bong smoking video, I'll stake you in the NBA Thunderdome that night, like a $5,000 entry. Cause he's just a whale who can just offer up free rolls on Twitter for entertainment. So he's done stuff like this before he saw the Ben, the better stuff on Saturday, there was a UFC fight. And I think he just said, Hey, if you nail the next three picks, the next three fights, I'll free roll you 5,000. And also people have been oppo betting Ben the better. Cause his picks are so bad. They bet the opposite. So I think in empire maker, he's like, I'll get Twitter entertainment. I'll bet the opposite of you. And you know, we'll all have some fun. So he does that. Ben the better goes 0 for 3. I assume Empire Maker raked, betting the opposite of him. Then he said uh, Ben the better was doing woe is me, blah, blah, blah. And Empire Maker said, I'll do it for the main slate uh, for Sunday football. You pick three games against the spread, $5,000 free roll. Ben hit it. He bet Seahawks to cover, yeah. Chiefs to cover, and Bucks to cover. He got there in overtime. Um, and then he... Uh, Empire Maker's like, all right, I'll settle up. What's your PayPal? And he's like, I don't have a PayPal. Like, my PayPal's frozen. And so Empire Maker's like, what do you, fuck you? Like, what are you talking about? Your and so he starts DMing me. Ben the Better does. He Empire uh, messages Brian. And Empire Maker's just like so fed up with his bullshit. Like, what do you mean I can't send you money over uh, PayPal that he blocks Ben the Better? And this is when Ben the Better did this suicidal threat where he's like, I swear to God, if I don't get my money, I'll just end it. You guys will never see me again. Like, I'm not dealing with this. Mm. And then Ben and then Empire Maker's like, oh shit, like, I don't want this on my hands. And he reached out to Brian and sent the money to Brian. And Brian was able to get the money to Ben the Better. But we had kind of known about this for a while. And we we're like, once you're manipulating someone, you know, with a suicide threat to get your 5,000, like, the jig is up. And so we did an hour expose with tweet old tweets and kind of exposing his posting patterns and all this stuff. So we, we outed oh, the guy. It's a fun, it's a fun episode. It's unfortunate. Cause it was a good bit. Um, but he, well, wait, he, he, the, he flew too close to the sun. Is empire maker pissed now? Did he know it was a bit? I, so Brian, like, asked it he's like hey like i think he mentioned to him that we think it's a troll and he didn't respond to brian about it so okay. i don't know that's um, yeah i mean that's kind of interesting if he's like playing up to be a terrible better and then he's like hustling guys into 5k free rolls and then he wins them <laughs> that's uh you know it, i don't know about that hustling it is was, the word yeah yeah it was, okay. <laughs> it was funny i put in the uh discord because i, I want to try to put together like a video a highlight video of stuff uh, just from out from throughout the year, from like all the shows I've been on and uh, multiple people requested the top shot brain episode of oh, ship yeah, chasing yeah. where Pat and I were just like zoning out, looking at our top shot accounts yeah. and Gretch just like, what the fuck? Is <laughs> I think that team, I think the top shot brain team won the league. I think that the best. Is that the team? No, that, yeah. 
The January team was earlier than that. We was it earlier? One. I don't think so, man. The Top Shot brand had to have been okay. Maybe it was the same one. I don't know. I think but... it's the same one. I think we had. Top I should pull this one balls. up because we did finish first in this best ball slim that we drafted, and it is. I I gotta go. I gotta I gotta like sort of confess. I had no idea that you guys were so Top Shot brand. I was just trying to like make a joke, and then. Both of you guys are like, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what we're doing. No, like, you call this out. You call this out because I was trying I was like, to remember. You guys are zoned out. Coach. What are you looking at? Top shot. That's all you've been talking about lately. And but you both like admitted to it right away. I did not actually think that oh, was yeah. what you were doing. Um, this is uh, this is uh, this is the team we drafted team. way back when the Kittle Pitts team. I mean, this team is so fun. DJ Moore, Mike Williams, Ceedee Lamb, Ayuk, Bateman, Parker. At running back, if God, if we can just get Swift back, Gibson. And this was when Gibson was going, I want to say, in like the early third. We took Gibson. Yeah, can you pull up the board? I think yeah. second round and Swift third round, I believe. I think yeah, let me right. uh let me get this up here. No, we took Swift second round, Gibson that's what, that's third, right. and then it flipped all off. Which should have been a clue. We should have been even higher on Swift. Yeah, Although, I mean early in the offseason. We were in on Swift, we were like, but we could have been more in. Yeah, Look at sure. this. Gibson at 3-7. Yeah. <laughs> I like Gibson at 3-7 well, way more. I mean, than yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot better. <laughs> Pitts at 9-0-7? I mean, like, look at some that of these other absurd. guys. That's crazy. Well, it's pre-draft, but still, I mean, you should never had that kind Even, of But, guys, didn't I, I – what was – the McKissick play was, like, anti-handcuff, but that was that was brilliant. No, I, <laughs> or what he out, was going. Great. We, didn't we talked about Gibson how they're they're sort of like. What do you mean? Those two backs. I mean, I think it's you pre-draft, do. right? Do you think Gibson's a rookie? Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> I've got Ben the better brain tonight. So uh, I think we talked about how in in best ball. I mean, this is an interesting one that people should look at more. But I remember one of the ones we were talking about was Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines from last year, where if you get the the early down yeah. back and the pass catching back in the same offense, they actually sort of anti correlate in a way that's good for mm -hmm. best ball. You're going to get a good week depending on game script from either of them. And so I think that was part of why we did that, and it's probably worked out. Like they no, I think it was a I think it was a screw up. If I recall, I mean, we because oh, it became a bit over the offseason that we'd end up drafting the handcuff without meaning yeah. to. So I don't think it was it was intentional. We were also I mean, definitely looking at the top shot brain thing. We were also definitely looking at pass catcher specifically because that's something I love about early best balls. They're the guys that like number one, they they seem to fall later in the early offseason, but they're the ones that have like the most secure roles. Like we took Heinz and yeah. McKissick thinking like their ADPs are going to be there in August. Like those guys don't get somebody drafted to come take their role because it's not an important enough role. They're just, you know, but they still have I would, value. I would like a clip of us talking about why we made these picks now versus us actually making the picks because I think that you have a tendency to be like, well, you know, pass catching packs and everything. Well, I mean, <laughs> meanwhile, look at, I meanwhile mean, you're like, Pete, God damn it, we have Gibson already. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I remember relying on you guys, like with the Kyle Pitt stuff. You guys are like, this dude's oh, just yeah. a generational tight end prospect. You got to take him in the ninth round. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember that. Mike Williams in the 14th round. I mean, I mean, Todd Gurley in the 10th. Look at these values. You, I mean, <laughs> uh, this is like a great example. And I, I mean, this debate is going to get litigated all off season. I mean, you can build super teams early on in the season and 
if you had a portfolio of teams that you drafted in fucking January or whatever, your advance rate would be shitty, but you'd have a few fucking super teams. And that's like the whole thing with drafting early. Like, and I look at my like puppy uh, one, two, and three, and it, it plays out that same way. My puppy yeah. one advance rate is atrocious. My puppy three advance rate is so good. It's at like 38%. And yet my puppy one is at like 14% and I prefer my puppy one teams, my best teams. Like there's fucking yeah. super teams there. Yeah. The, um, the best thing about this team that we did, I, I actually do. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I might misremember it, but I do sort of remember this. Remember I wrote it up in my sub stack too. Pat, you mentioned that when you're you, you could be early, right, by the way, I don't actually yeah. remember. So you could be <laughs> totally right. But um you mentioned that we want to be on the rookies. So we took Pitts and we took uh definitely at the end, we took Felton and Marshall and Bateman in the Bateman, middle. Yeah. Bateman was a great value. Obviously he ends up getting hurt, but if he doesn't get hurt, he's a, you know, eighth, ninth round pick. Like all these guys ended up going, especially Marshall went a lot higher. Felton didn't, but th this was before any of these guys were drafted. We didn't know where they're playing. We didn't know any of that stuff, obviously. And, and then the other thing we did was take like second year players, rookie, like, you know, Swift, get part of the re reason Gibson went there, like, you know, he's just coming off his rookie year, Lamb, just coming off his rookie year, he goes in the fifth round, he's in the third round by, by August, you know, Ayuk, seventh yeah. round, he was in the fifth round by August, like, um, take young yeah. dudes, if you're going to build an early profile. I mean, people are going to be drafting these in a month or two, so. It's, it's yeah, and you really lesson. can't like, um, overestimate how much some of these ADPs can change. You know, so like, especially in the young guys, right? Like, there's just going to be a lot of hype. It's interesting that Claypool actually didn't see that much hype, but, um, but like Higgins moved up by, by almost two rounds. Lamb yeah. moved up by like three rounds. Like, you're, I mean, look at Chase. You know, I mean, there was round. a ton of movement. Yeah. The, uh, it, and it is interesting mentioning Evan mentions uh seventh round Cooper cup. Like we finished first in this league and it also goes to show, you know, we ran really pure in, in avoiding the landmines. Like even a seventh round Cooper cup couldn't win you in the league because you had Christian McCaffrey miss most of the season. Calvin Ridley missed most of the season. It's hard to recover from that there. A lot of his late round tight end picks didn't hit. Um, it's just crazy how this stuff shakes out. Like you have to run pure as well. Like our, our injury rate on this is, is pretty nice. Yeah. But I, you know what, like the stuff and I look at like my best ball things. Part of it was that I bought that this must be like a generational rookie quarterback class because that's what, you know, the draft community thought. And, uh, and that's how they were drafted in the NFL draft. It did not turn out to be the case. Uh, so that hurt. So I, you know, a lot of my quarterback selections, I leaned on the rookies. So I was like, oh, that's the cheat code. So that's not going to work out great. But overall, I also think I just kind of flew too close to the sun with my quarterback play. And like seeing this, like Herbert Stafford, boom. That's, I wish I had more Herbert Stafford teams. You know, like yeah. I never did that again. <laughs> you know, I was always like, all right, Herbert, Darnold, baby. <laughs> you know, like I just, that... I, I don't, what am I doing? Like, what's the upside I'm getting from that? I think I talked myself into the upside of like finding a late round quarter. And it's like, you know what? Yes, there is upside, but there's also a lot of risk and you're not even getting that much upside for that risk. So I, and the... you, you gotta, oh, go ahead, you gotta pull this up. I, uh, pulled up my, my article on it. Cause I was just looking through and, uh, 
We did talk about the the pass catching backs. All this is about it. We missed on Tariq Cohen and stuff. That was a class of player we wanted to look at. They have they're actually more volatile on a weekly basis. We like that in best ball. Then also just like the roll stuff. But this is hilarious. Our other late round picks include Rashad Bateman, an incoming uh, rookie with great metrics. Yada yada. A couple other guys. So (laughs) I shared some DMs. (laughs) Okay, Dimitri Feltic. Now there's a name I've never heard, so I'm all in. And then he like explains it, and then. Final pick, Vaughn is gone. You guys cool with Terrace Marshall here? Yeah, I'll Google it once the pick is in. You know? <laughs> this is how we well, are drafting. Pat right? telling us about guys and us saying, yeah, we'll Google them later. I can't believe my Twitter name was Petey Pax and had my Philip Rivers fat head with a mask on over it. I mean, talk about dating ourselves. <laughs> dating ourselves. It's been a long year. It's been a long year. It's been quite a year. It is, it is fucking crazy how long of a year it has uh it has been By the way, that's it's not a, over <laughs> it's not over week 15 <laughs> but i i do i do yeah. want to mention that point because that is one thing that stings about you know the the best ball teams you mentioned like the herbert stafford which obviously looks awesome and how bad late round qb has been this year from a from a best ball perspective and like all the rookies, you know, that Lawrence fields Lance tier that we're targeting the Darnold Fitzpatrick tier. Like there were a lot of us that were excited about like Panthers stacks and in Washington football team stacks. Um, It's, it's been really tough. And I was the same as you. I was like fucking YOLO. I'll take one elite quarterback and I'll patch it together with a QB, a rookie or one of those guys. And like those teams just have bad advance rates. Yeah. And the other thing is like, you know, the late round quarterback didn't work out great, but you know, with those teams, if you have like, even like a Lawrence or uh, I don't know, someone not absolutely terrible. Uh, and then you just added Wentz and Roth or Roethlisberger as a third quarterback who are always there, who are always free, you know, like you didn't need to, like there actually were guys who gave you usable points in the last round. If you just thought like maybe Darnold isn't enough as my quarterback too, which by the way, like years of best ball research show that he's normally not. And I think I was kind of like, well, I need more upside, I need more upside. Uh, I I obviously didn't do a lot of uh, a best ball. That's something we talked about a lot in the offseason. But one of the things that I thought was, I mean, we talked about it on the show a lot, but like this idea that you have to draft like you're right. I think in DFS, you have to build lineups like you're right, but we have so much more known in, the, in an individual week. In an NFL season, there's so much chaos that like, yeah, you could be too fragile, too many spots. That's kind of what you're saying. Like, yeah, exactly. You're saying that you're, you're drafting like you're right with only two QBs or two tight ends or whatever, but like, it's really hard to navigate an NFL season and not have significant injuries or busts in an entire draft. Like, that's why, I mean, in, in seasonal, our lineups don't look anything now like they did on draft day. We can go back to our seasonal drafts and be like, yeah, none of these guys are on our team anymore. You know, I mean, yeah, it's it, I think you it, do need to build in contingency still, even though it seems like it's wasted picks. And also I, just like you didn't spend that much on the 15th round quarterback in the first place. So you don't need to be right there. Yeah. You need to be right with one of the two picks or 16th or your 18th. I will say, too, like I, I was very honest with myself about bbm like and it's the same way i play dfs where it's like i i want to get first and when you look at the way bbm2 is structured and what you have to do to navigate that that 
I, I do think that hype kind of fragile QB is the play. And I even remember, like, I feel, I think we were honest with ourselves about Trey Lance. We knew it was a high risk, high reward play. It was an asymmetric bet. Most of the time it loses, but when it hits, it hits in such a big way for you. And so I, I'm okay. Like seeing that my advance rate is lower, knowing that we made a concentrated bet on those rookie QBs. We knew they were asymmetric bets. They didn't hit. That was well within the range of outcomes. And like, yeah, the fucking advance rate is going to be lower. Cause we're trying to win a fucking Millie maker where yeah, you have to fair. dance through a shit ton of teams. If your goal is to advance the most amount of teams, fucking draft three QBs, draft three tight ends, draft a bunch of running backs, really go, knock yourself out, but your 1% finish equity is going to be massively lower than the rest of us. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's probably true, but quarterback's a position where like what you were getting with Lance wasn't necessarily that much higher ceiling than what you were getting with Hertz. And Hertz was going like in the ninth. So you know, you're getting a tiny bit of a discount, maybe the 10th or 11th with Lance. But, uh, you know, like Fantasy Douche years ago had an article about like risk seeking versus upside and like just trying to make sure you're not like just seeking risk when you're actually like the ceiling isn't necessarily all yeah. that much higher. And that's kind of the stuff I just want to do a better job of thinking through next year because you can, you, it's easy to talk yourself into the, the ceiling on unknowns with you know like a profile like lance big arm can run but uh and i think he was he was like a great pick in the 13th or 14th round but he got a lot more expensive than that you know and then you did put yourself in a position where you couldn't you couldn't really maybe or you could take a third but you didn't feel as good about taking a third um it is challenging though because yeah he didn't play that i mean i think that was a sub 50% outcome. I don't think it was like a really small outcome, but it like the fact that he didn't, he, he's got one start through week 15, 14 or whatever was yeah. probably a 35%, 40% outcome. It wasn't likely. Cause uh, his and, injury I, also kind of like coincided with his opportunity. Like, right. And he didn't play well. He got the one start didn't go yeah. well. And like, and so it's kind of just like played out weird. Yeah. I agree. The, the, in the 35 or 40 or whatever the just say it's 50, 50, the other 50% of times when he plays, the ceiling probably was there for me. I mean, like look at Taysom Hill these last couple of weeks or whatever. Like we would have seen That's stuff true. like that from Lance. Right. And so I don't know that the bet was, you know, I, it, no, and I don't think, and like, I'm, I'm going to be drafting Lance next year. Yeah. You know, like I still <laughs> in on the profile. I just, I just want to like do, a, I just, I, I don't know that it's like what, especially a quarterback where we know that there's not going to be necessarily these huge, huge separators. And it's really just about like, I, I do think that there's, at quarterback, like floor probably matters to some extent where it's just like, Hey man, get, get point, get some points in there. Cause there's not even that many separators. Um, and this, this is a great point by Nick. And, and I do think it, it plays into, you have to be realistic about your goals. I think the trade-off for not drafting three QBs is you get shares of guys like, yeah, Ramondre, which is, is literally the thesis of the play. And for some people, you know, I, I have Cordell Patterson, not on enough teams, but I have him on a handful of teams. Like that's, that's the kind of guy I add when you're not getting a third quarterback and you know that the yeah. third quarterback raises the floor and you know, it's like, a, it's like a GPP mentality, right? Like you're taking the 1% guy. If Donovan people's Jones gets loose for two 75 yard touchdowns, you win the GPP. Most times he doesn't. And, you know, Jamison Crowder gets four for 80 and you cash. Like, but I, So I, I, I guess the way that I yeah. was thinking about it when I was talking about sort of not being too fragile, too many spots is that 
it's not so much about hitting. Like, I, I, I don't know if the discussion is necessarily just about that 18th round pick. Like, those guys matter, obviously, and you want to have some exposure to them, and you're getting more opportunity to find some exposure to them when you're taking more receivers and, uh, and running backs on every team and not taking third QBs. But really, it comes down to the team that has Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor and Debo in your profile. How how did that one wind up, basically, right? And so, right, right, right. Ideally, you want it. You want that team to have uh, great quarterbacks or whatever. But if that team had a, it was a two quarterback built, it had all those players in the high leverage rounds. The one where you where you hit on everything in the big rounds, and you only yeah. had a two quarterback build, and it was Lance and you know Russell Wilson. You're like fuck. <laughs> I wish I would. Yeah, just and and, and you know you'll ass. get you, you, that'll happen. I mean, you could have like like Russ and and Hertz or something, and you're like, well, I'm not getting out of this week. You know, so, you know, that wouldn't be even an example of this. So you just, you're going to have bad luck. But I do think, I and I have like, I have a lot of teams like those where I'm like, oh yeah. And like, they're named like, they're named like uh, Taylor Swift. I'm like, okay, let's go. And then you go and it's like, now you fucked yourself a quarterback. <laughs> so it just, you, when you, I don't know, to me, it's like, how many things are you trying to get right? You know, and it, it, I know that you're, we're trying to build super teams, but if you happen to hit on Taylor and Cup and Debo, I, at that point, but I guess there's like, other give me, teams give me that usable have those, production. There's other yeah, teams that have those same guys, is, is what yeah. Pete's point is. It, like other guys yeah, that are fine in their true. Taylor Swift teams, and they have the two quarterbacks, and the two quarterbacks are right. And I guess I'm not saying the three quarterback thing necessarily. Uh, I was saying it kind of in the context of because I drafted a lot of Lance, um, because I drafted a lot of Fields and Lawrence um, and Darnold. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice when I was like, oh, I drafted Wentz in this one. That that really that's why this team advanced advanced because I drafted Wentz. Um, but I also think that one thing I did is that I I went too in on the strategy of going after the the rookie quarterbacks or guys that I thought were undervalued at quarterback. And I should have just drafted more two quarterbacks with an early quarterback. So I think I kind of because like I I'm, I'm maybe I'm like skeptical in retrospect. I was like, is, was there really even that much of an edge there? Like, if, if the year had turned out the way we were hoping, probably that is edge, an edge. Probably an edge. It's an edge. A, it's a definitely lot an more edge. Teams, like, think about a profile that has a lot of lands and a lot. I mean, in Lance is a smash. Yeah. Yeah. If right. Lance I'm, is a smash. You I'm have a lot of configurations with Lance now. And like, yeah, that's, that's probably true. an edge. Like, you, that's the bet you made, you know? But I guess I'd rather you can't cover have everything. Like, yeah. I guess I'm like, why did I do that at quarterback where like I should have done I I would feel better if I had gone like really in on you know like a wide receiver or a running back play that way. Uh because if you're if you had like just a ton of you know Taylor or something, or even Swift who's now hurt and isn't gonna be that guy. But if you had a ton of you see what I'm saying? Like I don't even know that the the payoff was was quite worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just think you have to be realistic about what your what your goals are with those yeah. those tournaments like you can build way more high floor constructions based on that when we were like the whole fucking concept of hyper fragile you know we're taking you know two four ten uh what is the math two four ten two builds here i mean like you're taking on a lot of risk trying to thread that right. needle and hit that perfect combination like when i look at my two four ten two teams as, as Chris mentions here that have advanced it like has Taylor Swift, James Connor and Pollard on it. Like those, yeah. I fucking hit the nuts on those four running backs and that that's what you're trying to do. Right. And 
I think of it in the same way when I play Showdown and I play the $3.20 max that has 160,000 people in it. And there's multiple paths to being unique, right? Like you can leave salary on the table. You can take fucking Ben Skaronic or the third string tight end, or you can get like a different construction than people. There's different paths you can take. And all of those are helping you get unique so that you can advance through the playoffs. And that's another dynamic dynamic too. I saw a bind for talking about this, where he was excited about his teams that advanced that doesn't have Jonathan Taylor uh-huh. and Kittle and Debo, because he knows that's going to be unique to the majority of teams that advance. Like that's an interesting lo- point. You got to get a lot right to win this million dollars. Yes. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, I guess the monster team thing will be an interesting because we're not done, right? So, you know, the advance rates versus the monster team debate, you know, will go on probably for years because it's. I think it's a really interesting thing of like, would you, like, you probably would shave off a couple points off your, you know, expected advance rate to to have, if someone told you like, you know, you'll advance like 2% less teams, but they will be like monster teams. You'd probably do that. But where does that, where is that line? Like, where is it, you know, where are you giving up too much versus, you know what I mean? Like, I think, and part of me just feels like, and I think, um, I think Justin Herzig is more on the, the advance. And I think Leone's more on the advance side of the argument. Um, but there is something appealing of like, just get as many teams in as you can and then let the madness begin. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I do think that that's the, that's the riddle we're trying to crack. Where is that right. line of pushing the uniqueness, the edge versus you know, being over leveraged, right? Like you're not going to play three, you know, wide receiver threes in a, in the Millie maker, because you know that the ceiling isn't there that they all can get 30 plus points. But one of those guys, <laughs> the Donovan people's Jones examples could theoretically get there. And it, it, I think if we can look back with honest retrospection, maybe we push that limit a little too much sometimes with them. But I do think that I feel comfortable with my advance rate relative to how my teams were constructed. Yeah. 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 Well, let's, uh, let's get one through here, huh? Let's get one through. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. Ben, where did you you ended up only being able to just kind of get our shared ship chasing action, right? For as far as best ball. Yeah, pretty much. I figured out way too late that through my DK account I could do some, and I did a couple at the very last, like the like the day of the Thursday night football game. I did a couple. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire a couple off. I don't think they did well. I don't even remember, honestly. At one point, they, I mean, they've been fucking with my uh, projected winnings every week. Do you guys have to deal with that every single week? Dude, it's, yeah, I haven't, I, I've been pretty good about not sweating my teams, but the the points have been all over the map with the live scoring. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to see and, and, and we'll, we'll see how things shake out. Uh, And one thing too, and I remember even the underdog guys like Hayden and Josh were talking how it'll be so much more fun to have the data after this year because we're going to learn. It's still such a unique format and it's still in its nascency as far as how much data we have on how to attack a structure like this. Like a lot of us 
we're projecting and doing guesswork. And, you know, I think all of us kind of sided, you know, with BIM 4 too on taking a more hyper fragile approach, knowing that it was a more Millie Maker style contest. And we will see, you know, what, what ultimately. Well, and one out. of the things we talked about on our shows, which I think was sharp and is to your point was that was this, this and trying to figure out what the lessons of next year were this year and being on them this, right? Like we talked about this in July and August, like trying to figure out what people are going to, that, that's what you're trying to do. Cause like the, the, the data is going to come in and there's going to be new, you know, widely accepted approaches or, or tweaks. And so it's like, well, what do we think is going to actually happen in this tournament? That's going to change people's approaches. How do we, how do we apply it this year? you know, before it actually happens. And, and this is the funny thing. You see people massively overreact. Fuck the data. I'm never doing hyper fragile again. I finished fifth in the, in one of the underdog tournaments last year with a true zero RB team. People are going to react and that's where we're going to have our edge, right? Like we're going to see people. I, thought, I feel like hyper fragile worked out great. This oh, year. It, they did. They did that. I'm saying people are tilting right now. I mean, Leone, published the win rates on establish the run in zero RB and hyper fragile were the dominant strategy uh, for 2020. Like that was objective. But I mean, data. for this year, I feel like hyper yeah. hyper fragile was, was great. Um, like, especially if you pushed it a little bit, it's like I was doing like hyper fragile yeah. where I'd add a Connor or a Pollard as my last. There wasn't enough legendary upside. Right. And then there was the, the Connors yeah. and the, and the four nets and the Pollards that yeah. I'm sure people are, you know, Bombing about that, and there was enough misses. If you got you Gibson, can, you if can you got do those, CEH, no. if you were heavy yeah. on CEH, if you were heavy on you know a lot of those types of backs, then you're probably like, This sucked, <laughs> right? That's that's very true. That I mean, and this was a year too where I mean, Pat and I had the team we drafted live in Vegas where we took CEH over Austin Eckler, and it's like if we hit because that of the decision, hamstring thing, if, because of because of us, didn't have full information, yeah. We thought he might be. I don't think there's going to be a lot of great information from this year in the data. I think it's going to show that zero RB could have won, or hero RB could have won, or or hyper fragile could have won, or because there's been hits and misses. Like it, there hasn't. I mean, it felt extreme in terms of the injury stuff. But I also think there's a lesson in that as well because, like, some years we overreact to the lessons from the past years. You know, we've talked about this before too. Like. The years where late round tight end smash, where Jordan Reed smashed out of nowhere, and, and you know Tyler Eifert was a late round, and then Kittle the next year, um, when those guys were all like tenth rounders and later, then we were like, yeah, you can get so much upside from late round tight ends, and you, I mean, you still can. There's something there like Schultz and Knox, and those guys have hit this year, but you're not guaranteed. Like you, it's hard to be the overall tight end one from from Nowhereville, right? And so like I think you could overreact to data and as well in small samples. Cause it's like each season is basically like one DFS week. I mean, and then the, right. the league is exactly. changing and draft ch- trends are changing. And it's like, we don't it is have one enough. DFS week. That's the crazy thing. It, and we it, argue it, about this, one DFS week, like week one. Right. Like imagine if we had to argue about week one for a whole year, like, right. It, it, and I, I've, I've talked with Brian about this on Lowell's. You can have an edge to a massive degree in the Millie maker, you could be 2%, 3% better than the entire field and not realize your edge over five seasons of max entering the Millie maker every single week. Like not if you're Gary, <laughs> who apparently swapped <laughs> off a Millie maker win this year would have been two in a row. <laughs> All right. Uh, also RBX 88. Again, there there's lightning in a bottle, but I mean that, that point holds true for these. Like, I'd be pretty sick if he had won it twice. I mean, I would be concerned if I was playing 12 man, 
cash game best ball tournaments and my win rate was at you know 17 percent or whatever but I, i'm not concerned in a millie maker best ball contest yeah 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 um one thing i am curious about i'd love to see the data on this is advance rate by uh in terms of these the structural advance rates by month because i think that there must have been a higher rate of advance of it of advance for zero running back in the uh in the early months right there's just so much chaos on the other hand you could have gotten some of these backs who like we were talking about like third round gibson and stuff so the adps were all over the place maybe you were able to assemble some weird teams that you wouldn't have gotten later but that definitely because like i even started to do more of hyper fragile like more true hyper fragile in some of my last teams, I started to get like Josh Jacobs. Like I have, a, I have a decent amount of Josh Jacobs from like late August, early September, because he was going in the sixth round. And it's like, all right, well, you know, at this point, if I'm doing a hyper fragile build, you know, I can add him as my RB three or whatever. And that is my, for my like personal, like biggest takeaway of how I want to approach breast, best ball, breast ball. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have no uh, structural <laughs> concerns, but detaching your emotion from the players you like in scooping the values based on that current snapshot of whatever sentiment is then within those structures is the key, right? Cause I, I struggle with like what Pat was saying, like, fuck, take Josh Jacobs in the six. And sometimes that burns you, right? Cause there were discounts on miles Gaskin and Mike Davis, like those discounts did appear at times, but like in general, I think bu building your portfolio around buying ADP values while sticking within the structures of your draft is, is really just the best way to play it. I almost want to, this like, this doesn't have any actual value with this, what I'm about to suggest, but I think it might have some psychological value, at least for me, but I would, it would be an interesting exercise to go through instead of ranking players to go through and assign each player, a DraftKings salary at which you would be interested in playing them and then convert ADP value like two DraftKings salary. And then you can go like, you know what I mean? Cause then you're able to say, like, you know, you're the one who said that like Josh Jacobs is actually a pretty sweet play at basically the mid six round pick or whatever, because that's the salary you you know what I mean? Like you can just a way of like because I actually don't have that much of a problem being dispassionate when I'm setting DraftKings lineups. Like I really don't. I'm I'm, just, like, I'm the same way. I have a harder time with best ball like my biases than I do yeah. in DraftKings. I'll play whatever fucking dust ball. I just stare at the numbers. But in the middle of the season, I'm like, how is Michael Hardman going in the ninth round, guys? How's Michael Hardman going in the ninth round? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And and it's also because some of it, I think like Michael Hardman, like if we were going to sign him a DraftKings salary before the season, it would have been like 4,900 or 5,200. You know, it wouldn't have been 6,000. You know, so I think you can kind of, just I don't know. Like I'm just trying to figure out ways to take the DFS side where I've had really no problem being. I guess no, not no problem, but over time I've gotten to the point where I'm kind of like you, or or I'll have leans, but those leans come in like I think after after the math, they're like the icing on the cake in a way that I think is probably a better process. It's much harder to have uh, the biases at bay in best ball or just any kind of season long draft for whatever reason. Well, I mean, part of the reason is. In DFS, you know, if you lose, you can turn around and play it again the next week. In season exactly. long, 
it's a whole fucking year that you're basing it on, you know? The slow payoff yeah. means that you want, you, you know, you want to have takes more. more or, yes, for yeah. sure. You can't, for like, sure. tinker and then get results and then tinker the next week and be like, yeah, I am going to play Miko Hardman, and then he sucks. And you're like, okay, we'll play Miko Hardman next week, you know, and then move right. on. Right, right. And also, like, I feel like a really good example of this uh, in a microcosm is take Elijah Moore, right? He got incredible steam. You know, he was a great prospect, had a great prospect profile. Got a, He was the talk of Jets camp. His ADP was getting almost outrageous, like by mid-August, late August. He was going to like the eighth, ninth round. Uh, has a really slow start. Then like gets hurt. He's not doing anything for your teams. Then he comes on and we're all sitting here like, holy shit, this guy's the fucking league winner. Like this dude, if you have him as your, you know, wide receiver five or six, like you're, you're fucking shipping these leagues. And then he gets hurt and he's done for the year. Like that's the best ball experience in a nutshell. And to me, it goes back to being price sensitive, right? You understand the highs and the lows of what Elijah Moore can offer. And you're trying to get him on the perfect team where you advance and he's unique and he carries you, but there's so much risk. Maybe he doesn't get you there because he's hurt. Maybe he gets re-hurt again. Maybe he's bad. Like, I feel like that's just a good kind of example of, of the yeah, kind of bets that's a good you're one. making. It is. That's a good one because he are... almost like, you. any argument could be like, you should have drafted Elijah Moore. You shouldn't have drafted Elijah right. Moore. Those are the toughest ones because, I mean, I, I would say that the argument for Moore was always that he could be a late season league winner. That's kind of the argument for rookies that come on more, right? And, and it feels like it was a hit and then he gets hurt. Like, the ones that you're right on and then you lose to an injury after it's like i was right on mm -hmm. this those are yeah. like some of the those hardest ones to swallow man yeah oh man which by the way congrats to the tony people because like i, I feel like you guys were right uh probably not many watching the show given given the feet and everything but like tony was uh looking pretty good i mean certainly was gonna pay off his best ball adp yeah. in a big way and you now he's on the COVID list. He's still Flip side, you got guys like Leonard Fournette. Like, that guy stayed healthy. If that fucker would have got hurt, then, then you're like, yeah, I dodged a bullet because he was going to be a league winner. <laughs> yeah, although the uh, the Geo stuff in retrospect, like, we never should have we never should have realized. Like, to think that Geo was somehow an impediment to anyone was was a leak. The... I don't know if I buy that. Leonard Fournette was bad in the passing game. Honestly. Yeah, he was bad. He was bad. Like, but Geo wasn't actually bad. that good. The... Uh, that was one of like fumble. my, I, it's interesting too. like looking at my teams, like the first 10 rounds, um, you know, I, I, I feel like I built strong teams. It's the, the whiffing on the rookie quarterbacks and the late round quarterbacks like Darnold and Fitzpatrick coupled with backfilling all of my hyper fragile teams with the pass catching running backs, like a ton of Naheem Hines, a ton of James White, a ton of Gio Bernard, like those guys just did not hit this year. And part of the thesis of those guys is that they buoy your team early when you don't right. have the Ramondre Stevensons who have broken out yet. And this year they did not buoy your team early. Mm -hmm. And the so Sam had asked, like, why don't you just assign an ADP to which you'd be okay drafting him? Because there's basically no ADP that I would assign that's rational to Melvin Gordon this year. Like I just wasn't, <laughs> couldn't do it. But like, I could be like, I mean, there's a minimum price on DraftKings, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Melvin Gordon wouldn't be priced at the minimum, you know, and if Melvin Gordon was priced at like 4,500, I'd be jamming Melvin Gordon, you know, and just like then, then to go, okay, well, 
then if he's, you know, let's say that works out to a 12th round pick, like, you know, you should be drafting Melvin Gordon. He would fall, if I remember, right, to some of the, like the 10th, 11th, 12th round range. You'd find him there sometimes. And uh, so just trying to figure out ways to, like, convince myself to draft dust balls that I don't want on my teams. In a portfolio, you should be doing that, I think. And I have I remember there was some some draft we did with ship chasing where you were talking about how Fournette or uh, Gordon would fall. You remember the drafts we do that would be just all the piss balls mm-hmm. in it and guys would fall forever. But there was one where I suggested Fournette and you guys gave me a relentless amount of shit <laughs> in like the 18th round. And you're like, no, we're not well, drafting Fournette. Listen, if it was for the brand, <laughs> yeah. then how dare you? But if it was a real draft, then I'm sorry. I was like, wait, we're going to take Fournette at this point. And it was like, nope. <laughs> It depends. It very much depends what the context was. I can't remember what it was. I just remember being like, "Yeah, that's a good point." Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's see here. Uh, uh. I got Fournette. Uh. No, I was trying to pull up this one here. Uh. Where are you taking Javante? We we kind of had this. Did we have this discussion last week? Because everyone came out with a Javante one hundred and two takes. I think we had this conversation. Yeah, we talked about him being. I mean, it, it really depends. Like, if Mel- Melvin right. Gordon is a free agent after the year, if Melvin Gordon's not back, then, you know, I think you can talk about him. The cop for me would probably be like Cam Akers, where Cam Akers was going. Uh, and so I would have no problem with him at like the 112, 111, 112. Where are you at? On Javante? Yeah. Like, if Melvin Gordon's not there, I think he's. Maybe higher than that, man. I don't know. Sean Sean said on our uh, he he had the one hundred two take on our um, bananas last night, and I was like, "Jeez, we're gonna get we're gonna get top five on Javante." I mean, especially if they hit a real quarterback. It's yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know because I think we're gonna talk ourselves back into some of the the veterans, like. You know, Camara. Yeah. Like, if they get a quarterback, Camara is probably going ahead of him. I would assume. I don't know if I'll be in on Camara that high. I do. I will still be on CMC. We talked about him recently. Like, he's. I would. I'll take him over Javante. Or anyone. yeah, I mean, yeah, me too. Anyone basically. I mean, he's just a different animal. But Camara, Camara had seasons where everything came together with Breeze and everything else. Just the way that they've used him this year has shown. I think that's. Like he's still really unique, but remember early this year when we like every week we we're like they're not throwing on the ball, they're treating him as a workhorse, they're giving him twenty five carries a game. Like he's gonna crush his uh, career high in rush attempts. He's got to right. I don't think he'd ever had a two hundred fifty carry season. I'm pulling up his stats now. Come he out. had never had a two hundred carry season is what it was. He's only played nine games this year because he missed some you know some time with injury. He set there- two career highs and he he set his career high in carries and then broke it later. Right season this year, and just in single games, but for the season, he's only played nine games so far because of these injuries. He's 21 carries behind his career high in rushes already. He's going to set a career high in rushes as well this year for for a season. Even though he's not going to play, he's going to play 12 games or something like that. Evan asked how Williams can go ahead of where Taylor is going. I could see it if Gordon's not back because we were still talking. Our we were worried. I think a little bit genuinely, you know, a little bit uh, rationally about uh, Hines limiting Taylor in the receiving game. I think we also have to be uh, realistic that recency bias and playoff performance yeah. will greatly impact this stuff. You know, 100%. the Colts 
Um, they still have a chance to make the playoffs. Like, you know, if you get a big primetime playoff game from Jonathan Taylor, like, oh, he like means where he was going last year. Like, if, oh, where yeah. if Williams could go, where? But, but that's oh, the, sorry, that's yeah, 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 I got you. Um, uh, the better way to make that Camaro point is he had never had more than thirteen carries in a game, uh, average thirteen carries per game in a season. He's at wow. nineteen point two this year. Wow. And he's always had at least five catches in uh, per game in every season, and at least five point four since the second year. At five point one as a rookie, five point four, five point eight, five point five. Those are really elite numbers. He's at four point oh this year, like you know, right at four point oh. Like it, it doesn't sound like it's that big of a gap. It's it's one and a half or more to some of these numbers. He could be down in the threes by the end of this year. I mean, that's a pretty mat. Like that's the difference between having real receiving upside. And being like a 50, 60 catch guy compared, you know, yeah. he's obviously had the 80 catches every year that everyone talks about. Anyway, but, I mean, his, his profile's different this year. And I wonder if that carries over. It is different this year. And he's not been nearly as efficient as a rusher, which uh, it's a little concern given that he's, he's getting to the age where some guys become more uh, in his profile of like more of the pure kind of receiving down guy and aren't able to do everything. Yeah, I do. I do think in general, it's going to be a super, I I honestly don't know how it's going to play out this year as far as, you know, what is going to be the meta for roster construction, because right now you you can read Twitter and the kind of the take is everyone just kind of shrugs and says, if you avoided the landmines and you hit, you know, the five or six league winners, then you advance. Like I I had a tweet, (laughs) I'm in this Boston, you know, experts league where I have a fucking buy with Calvin Ridley and AJ Brown as my first two picks. Cause I have Cooper cup on the team. Like yeah. literally my, I, I started both Detroit running backs last week that weren't Craig Reynolds. And I have a fucking <laughs> buy because Cooper cups outscoring all the quarterbacks on the year. Like yeah. I have, a, I, if you have Cooper cup, you have an extra super flex spot in a regular league. That's what you have. I'm in a super flex dynasty league and uh, I was going to say no one would trade me a tight end, but I've actually barely sent offers. But I did send an offer to Evan Silva, and he replied that trades are ruining leagues, rejected my offer, did not send a counter. So I guess it's Evan, Evan did not enjoy my offer, who was for Zach Ertz, by the way. I was trying Tra- to get Zach Ertz. Just trades generally are ruining all sorts of things. He doesn't like trades, apparently, but he but he's but he's a GPP bro now. Congrats on your, on your bank, Evan. But uh, – yeah. I, I have cup in that league and I'm literally starting. I started John Bates at tight end in a tight end <laughs> premium super flex league. And doesn't matter. Cause I have cup. I kind of like his uh, take that trades are ruining leagues. I don't, I don't ever trade. I kind of like that take. Was Brad, you, gotta, you have to available? build through the draft. Only through the draft. <laughs> dynasty, uh, no trade dynasty. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> but, no, wait, there was some, there were some really good uh, comments here. I wanted to bring up because uh, Nick said, I'll be curious to see. Uh, what Acres and Dobbins ADP starts at, and then there was also uh, um, Derrick Henry. Uh, Receive said that would be a fun one. I think those three are all super interesting in terms of is, where the ADPs are. Is Re- Receive's name really Receive, or is, is it not Fisher backwards? It, if I was, I mean, I just read it like Fisher. it's yeah. Well, maybe it's Fisher. You know, let us know what you want to go by. People don't necessarily send in annotated, you know, descriptions of their handles. Can everyone <laughs> in the chat, can you, I could, could we get a, please don't dust. <laughs> All right. It's Fisher. We got it. I'm can, in a can we get like the phonetic spelling of everyone? 
I had I had one. I was on Club Top Shot last night, and I was reading one, and it, it literally looked like binary code, and it was just silver, but the eyes were ones. And so it's just like I can't reading usernames on the internet. It's killing me. Um, what were we talking about there? Cooper Cup. The three. Oh, and then someone also suggested Kittle. So Dobbins, Acres, Derrick Henry, and Kittle. Where do you think they go next year? FFPC. I think Acres is going to go lower than people are thinking right now, especially by August. I think there's going to be enough concern throughout the offseason about his rehab. I mean, they're they're talking about trying to get Acres back this year for the playoffs, which would be really interesting, and that would change this this opinion of mine. But yeah, I think as far as you know, coming back from an Achilles, it's going to be like like look like Marlon Mack all offseason. It was it was slow. There's positive reports and stuff, but it was slow, and I think that's going to knock him down as we get to like May June. I think Akers might be like a sixth, seventh round pick. Those other guys are probably all going to be significantly mm-hmm. higher. The The other thing that's interesting about Derrick Henry, I was going to say too, is, I mean, it sounds like he's coming back too. Mm-hmm. And the Titans are like 99% probability to make the playoffs. Like we're probably going to see Derrick Henry in the playoffs, which will go a long way to determining it, his, his ADP too. Yeah. He'll be like the 104 if he has a good playoffs, maybe higher. And it's going to be yeah. so hard to know what to do because he's going to be like 28 or something. Yeah, this is this is a fun one. I, I don't know anything about Damian Harris's contract situation. Does he yeah, have Ramon anything? Ramondre feels like on? your classic 10 to 12. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, Harris should be entering his third year. Uh, no, this was his third year. So he's entering his fourth year. So uh, he, he will be back, though, on a rookie contract. So he'll be there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one will be interesting. And again, another, I know I keep, this isn't like the ultimate cop out, but the Patriots are expected to win a couple of playoff games this year. So we'll, and Belichick has not been shy <laughs> about using whoever he thinks gives him the best chance of winning. Like we, we could see like an 18 carry game from Madre Stevenson in a meaningful playoff game. Yeah. And Damian Harris gets relegated to a breather role. Yeah. Uh, RKFD here says that, Ramondre is going to go where Connor was going. And I feel like Connor started falling at the end. I think he'll go like a little closer to where Edmonds was going or more like Pollard was going. Like, I think he'll get, I think he'll be in that general range, but I think he'll get steamed a little bit. I mean, partly because we're going to, we're not going to shut up about him. <laughs> we're going to talk about him nonstop. Are you kidding me? Receive said it is Fisher. Then someone said James Fisher from Millstone. <laughs> <just goes>, no. <laughs> No, not that one. That's pretty funny. The uh, <laughs> where's yeah, Millstone? Um, it, was, it was James Fisher for Millstone. Yeah, it'll 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 be interesting uh, to see how things shake out. I think it, I think it's going to be the wild wild west early on, as far as people yeah. jockeying for what is the the dominant strategy for twenty you know twenty two best ball drafts. What about Eli Mitchell? That's a good one. I mean, depends who's back, right? But. Like it could be anywhere from like the the second or third round, honestly. I think he feels like an early fourth rounder to me. Yeah, but it could be back further if Mostert's back and healthy, and it sounds like I mean it could be yeah, it could be a sixth rounder or seventh rounder. You're so much more bullish on. We already did this last week with how much you love Eli Mitchell. That's true. That's true. Um, Well, so you don't think he's an early fourth rounder? I think so. My 
my just like macro take, and I'll, I'll let you guys handle, you know, Mitchell just as a talent. But to me, it feels a lot like kind of how you're supposed to play the Patriots running backs over the years where you, mm. you want the cheap one. You don't want to overpay for the one that looked good. No, I'm not saying what, volume. Yeah. Where we're talking about I'm just saying where's ADP. Oh, where he'll, sorry, where he'll go. I mean, yeah, I think Eli Mitchell, if he finished, like he's not playing this week. If they, if he finishes the season strong, they don't make the playoffs. He's their running back. I mean, yeah, fifth or sixth round running back. I feel like where Mostert went, probably. Most of the guys that are being brought up, more like where ones... Gaskin, Mike Davis went. I think. Yeah, maybe a little earlier than Mostert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll let James Fisher know you guys said what's up, and uh, let, let him know I said what's up too. No, a lot of these guys that are being mentioned are the ones that are uncertain. AJ Dillon got thrown in there too. Th- those are the running backs that make up the like whatever sixth to twelfth rounds every year. Where does right? Aaron like, Jones go? Aaron Jones has to fall. I think a little a lot. Well, I don't know if he falls a lot. He's still I a very explosive fall. player, a very efficient player, especially if he closes well and has a decent playoffs. I think he goes in like the third or fourth round. I don't think he I was going to say he feels like he goes where like Chris Carson went this year. Yeah, that's what I would say. I don't yeah. think he's like a fifth rounder. Yeah, that's probably right. I'm trying to think. There was a couple years ago we had a back like this who kind of fell into that that range in a similar point in their career. Dylan, I yeah. think, is, and they're, they're still asking about Dylan. I, Dylan's the one, I think Dylan's significantly behind Jones in drafts because you're also talking about the guy who gets some more receptions. Jones has always been very efficient at the goal line. Dylan has frankly not been. He started to get some goal line work and he's not actually getting in. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's tougher for a bigger bat. I, that seems like a ridiculous <laughs> statement, but Jones has been really good at, at converting touchdowns. He got one green zone touch last week. He scored. Uh, Dylan got the other three, did not score on any of his three. Um, if Jones is good the rest of the way and into the playoffs, like he's going to be like sort of the high value touchback, the explosive back. I, I, f- I feel like he's probably third, fourth round. And then you have Dylan going in like the seventh or eighth, you know, like not much different than where he went this year, frankly, but maybe that's yeah, kind of a, possible. kind of a Pollard type ADP. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably right. Cause he'd go ahead of where Henderson was going this year before the injury. Right. Yeah, but Dylan. So, what's interesting is Dylan was already going in the seventh in some leagues this year. You know that's true. But I yeah, think so probably... I actually I could see him move up, and I, I think that's going to be more viewed as a committee. At I'm just kind of going on the recent stuff. Like, what do you make of the the usage from this last week? It feels like committee ish. Yeah, yeah. I called it like sort of the well. The first half was all Jones. They came out in the third quarter after that crazy second quarter. There was 45 points scored in the second quarter alone in that game. I mean, it went over the over-under in the second quarter alone. And they came yeah. out, they had the ball first, and they're like, we're going to December and Lambeau establish A.J. Dillon. They did the whole way down the field. Jones scored at the end of that drive. But the whole most of the second half was Dillon. Jones had a massive snap edge. Um, Nathan Janke from PFF was tweeting it live, and it was like 23-8 to eight at a half. Dillon ended up playing more snaps. So Dillon like, was the second half back. They went to like a physical running thing. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that was somewhat situation based, right? Like they just yeah. wanted to kind of slow the game down, settle things down. It was a crazy game. The bears were winning and they're like, we're going to just out physical you. They kind of just like changed the pace of the game a little bit. And I don't think what's interesting is, is Jones scored twice in the second half. He scored there. And then he also scored on a pass where he got some air yards, which I pointed out. Dylan's routes were solid, but Dylan doesn't run 
vertical routes. They use Jones as like a weapon in the passing yeah, game. He do. catches passes downfield to get some of these interesting elements. Uh, I, I called Dylan's running back routes a little bit more traditional. He's just kind of running into the flat or blocking and releasing. And catch. He's a good receiver, but like we've talked about it. He's like Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy's not you yeah. know running wheel routes and stuff, but Jones is. Jones will do that stuff. So Jones is going to have the efficiency side of it. He's going to have um, the big play side of it. It is a little bit of a committee, but it's like a thunder and lightning committee where Jones is going to get is going to have more receiving upside. And I Dylan has really dominated the, the goal line work lately. But in their last couple of games together, he's got seven of the eight touches down there. But he has only scored on one, and Jones scored on his one. And Jones is really good down there. I honestly think it might just be 50-50. You know what it is, dude? I, I think he'll go where Kareem Hunt went. I think Dylan it might will be like he'll that. be Kareem Hunt. It might be like that, but Hunt had a little more receiving value. I think yeah, more receiving, but less that. touchdown equity. You're yeah. kind of getting some receiving, some touchdown. You're getting like enough high value stuff. It's not all receiving. But yeah, I think he'll go like in that kind of I think that like makes sixth sense. round range, like almost the first year running back kind of. But he's kind of the same play as this year. It, the idea is the idea this year was if Jones goes down. Dylan can be a league winner. It was all contingency, yeah. but there might be also some standalone value was what we were pitching all offseason, and there has been. Now we know there's m- more bankable standalone value, I think, exactly. the next year. And so it gives him a round or two is what you're saying, basically. It's Kareem Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Frank was asking about Antonio Gibson. Yeah, Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. Gibson's a good one. I mean, God, that feels like kind of like a Miles Sanders type of situation to me. Right, we've seen some flashes. We've seen some disappointment. We've like not a hundred percent sure that the team's committed to him, but like they're probably committed to him. They drafted him fairly high. On the downside, though, it could be a David Montgomery type of ADP from like post rookie year, he's where he so fell more to like the seventh or eighth. What did you say? I said he's so tough. I, I agree with you. It's it's the, he's a tough one to read. What's making people out on Montgomery? Um, I was just, did you say what's McKissick's contract? Yeah. I, I'm yeah. literally typing that. In. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a free agent after the year. Okay. Hey. I mean, well, that'll that, have a huge that, impact. That, that's going to have a ma- massive. That's the whole thing. Yeah. I think they bring him back. Honestly, man, they like him. He's good. Yeah. They he's do a good him. pass catcher. He turns 29 I mean, in August though. So I, I think, you know, you're going to have, he's not going to get a big offer. That's why I think they probably can get him back for like two mil. Like he's not going to get something that blows that out of the water. Yeah. You know, I think D- he settles this... in the, the fifth round is where I get to see him. Yeah. I think, I, I think Ben's like Miles Sanders comp is really good because Thanks. that's, that was a good comp, Ben. Almost. Was that yours, Pat? <laughs> yes. I, <wasn't> <laughs> I was looking Someone at the chat my- and there was a bet in the chat. I was like, <laughs> Someone said Miles Sanders. Uh, I think Miles Sanders is. That's a great everyone, They're so excited about the tools and the profile, and yet there's so much tomfoolery with the with the coaching staff. I feel like we comped him to Miles Sanders this offseason. When he got to like 110, 112, it was like, yeah, I he's comped him. Like the year two Miles Sanders play, you know? Yeah, from, yeah. from Miles Sanders 2019, and now or uh, Miles Sanders 2020. Gibson 2021 yeah. was a lot like Miles Sanders 2020, and you're saying now that Gibson 20. 22 is gonna be yes. like miles later 2021 it's basically the same thing too it makes sense yeah yeah uh yeah gibson's tough too because like uh as much as i'd like to think he was a rookie this year i mean the naheem hines being a problem for jonathan taylor 
is what kind of kept Jonathan Taylor's ADP in check for a lot of the summer. Yeah. They're just like, you know, he's going to be a two down guy. Yeah. We don't care if he's efficient. He's going to lose pass catching work. That narrative shifts really quickly. Now, Antonio Gibson, not the prospect of Jonathan Taylor. Could he actually pull away from a really good receiving back in the way JT did from Naheem Hines? Can, wait, can, who can, can, Gibson? can Gibson pull away from, from McKissick in the same way that JT was able to pull away from Hines? I think it's possible, but like the chance of that happening is now much lower than yeah, you, I don't think you thought going into the season. And right. And he hasn't. And that's where the Sanders comp makes sense. The receiving yeah. didn't materialize. It was an upside play that like that he could take over the backfield and be a generational talent sort of. And, and Pete, to your question, Taylor's the one who did that. Gibson didn't do it. So I think honestly, it's a pretty hard, like Pat, Pat was saying before I cut him off. Like it's a really hard path to see now because he didn't do it this year. In fairness to Gibson if in the Miles Sanders comp, I do think it's maybe a little bit more like Josh Jacobs in terms of the actual real life situation, because Josh Jacobs is just Josh Jacobs was a receiving prospect. Like when he came in, he had a, a yards per hour and over two in his college career. He was kind of in that role, like alongside Damian Harris, he was more of the receiving guy. Harris was the bruiser. He comes in, they use him like a bruiser. We're all like, what's going on? Why are they doing this? They continually have receiving backs. They have him locked into that role. And so we know he doesn't really have access to that. And then he's okay as a receiver. He's not like amazing, but he's good. With with Sanders, he was bad as a receiver uh, in twenty twenty. He was bad. Like he's his yards per hour on the cratered. You know, just like watching him, he wasn't very good as a receiver. So I think it's like a little bit more similar to Jacobs, where you're hoping he's like good in the receiving game. But the idea that he's going to be awesome as a receiver that he, that he has like a path to being, you know, kind of an elite receiving back. I, I'm much more skeptical of that now after this year. I mean, he hasn't really flashed that in his sophomore year. And I think if he was going to emerge as that type of back, we would have, we would have seen more as a receiver this year. Do we have any, I haven't heard the Debbie takes, like, do we have any takes on how good this upcoming draft class is? I don't Not very good. I don't dive. Not in very until, good. Well, I mean, that was the take for most of the year. I don't know how it finished up. Right. I know there's some guys, whatever, like Drake London is supposed to be really good. I don't, I don't know if he's like the top. Oh, that dude from Arkansas. Uh, I don't know his name. Uh, the the Ohio State receivers. There's there's several like pretty good receivers, I think. But there's not like supposed to be great quarterbacks. The mocks have uh, – most of the, the NFL mock drafts have – uh, what's his face from Michigan going first, right? The DN Aiden Hutchinson or something. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm not the guy to ask. I, I spend way more time watching NFL I, than college football in the fall, but I, I will say like pulling back, I, I do feel like this, this wide receiver class, you know, injuries and stuff withstanding has been pretty impressive yeah. on the whole. Yeah. I feel good about defending the wide receiver class. Cause it got kind of tagged as like this little tiny group of, of like, whatever wide receivers it's if this was a good wide receiver class i'm excited if the if the incoming one is good um gush Braylon about Burke, rashad bateman gush I mean. about rashad bateman because this was an interesting one where it was like he oh it looks like his snaps were increasing then all of a sudden he just has that game what two weeks ago where watkins just completely yeah laps him again and then lamar looks gets hurt and then bateman looks just like 
an all pro. Yeah, he, he looks like a stud. I I don't know. I mean, he had that run where he he did that spin like after he caught it, and then he gets upfield. He cuts inside. I'm like, if he cut if he cut outside there, I think like he could have had another 15 yards on on top. But he's got this. He's he looks very natural out there. You know, it looks like just like very fluid. So I'm excited about Bateman. He's up to 1.64 yards per hour, which is pretty good. It's actually just a hair behind Devonta Smith, by the way. 1.67. He's had a solid season, but um, you know, I think uh, if we get Bateman, the little better quarterback play. I'm a, like a, I would like to see some Josh Johnson now that they sign him off the Jets. Uh, Huntley has not been very good. Uh, I know you know he can do stuff with his legs, but I mean Josh Johnson. My 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 uh, high school buddy went to school with Josh Johnson at the University of San Diego, and that's how I just can't get excited about a guy who is in college at the same time as me. <laughs> Unless his name is Tom Brady, uh, but um, goodness. Well, the the Traylon Burks was was a guy that uh, was thrown out. And I think he's supposed to be really good. Yeah, but he's Arkansas dude. Yeah, he he was like popping in uh in the various metrics. So. Um, all right, this is a fun one. Why we're just doing our twenty twenty two look ahead. Cup, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, Jamar Chase, Stephon Diggs, Debo Samuel any other clear wide receivers in the first two rounds? And do we have any objections to Andrew's clear first two wide receivers? I don't think Debo gets there. If he keeps being used, I I agree. I don't think Debo's in there. Yeah. I think Debo's more like a a third or fourth rounder. I mean, people are freaking out about the receptions for the record. Dude still ran over 80%. Uh, a route on over 80% of dropbacks this week. And he has been up the last few weeks. I think part of the reason he's not catching any passes is that like he is running shorter routes now, but they're getting the ball vertically to Kittle. Right. And they're getting like, and, and then also he's been making so much plays in the running game that like, they're just doing that. But if that stops, they're going to get the ball to him. He's a key part of their offense. I don't think he's going to, I think Debo's going to have another five catch game pretty quick. And then people are going to be like, Oh, it's not. Yeah. You're probably right. Like the routes are there, but I do think there's enough, concern now that i you've got back and that was sort of our concern coming in that i don't think he ends up being a top two round he's not going to project awesome either yeah because you're going to need to spread out the targets san francisco you're going to project for low overall volume you're not going to project kittle for his absurd efficiency that he always has but then like you're going to be under projecting kittle so that might like it's just tough to make san francisco the math will work on san francisco so yeah they're all probably going to be a little bit under projected, most likely. And then, oh, especially if Garoppolo's gone. Because then you yeah. talk about the oh, math, yeah. their, their pass attempt projections are going to be very low. It, yeah. Lance. Also, for sure. I mean, I, I agree with this take. I mean, if Cup hat just continues what he's doing in the playoffs, yeah. I think people will take him in the top five, right? A hundred percent. I mean, it's yeah. like a Antonio Brown type of thing, right? Yes. Yeah, so you take him 103 or whatever. I, I think you probably will go there. Yeah. I, but that's too high. That's too high for me. I'd yeah. rather bet on almost any of those other guys that Andrew mentioned. Maybe Is that dumb? Is that no, a fish? I think that's right. I think that's right, personally. I don't know that that's right. He's got a yards per hour and over three. Maybe, <laughs> like maybe he's, Diggs. He's absurd. Yeah. I think he, exactly. I think he's, but that's the point. Like he can't back that up at age thirty. He just did it at age twenty nine. That's sort of. The um, point. I don't think he's. Is he twenty nine? Twenty eight, maybe. Uh, yeah, he's twenty eight. So I, you know, he could do that twenty nine. 
I don't know. He's doing it 28. It's like 29 is not necessarily It's kind of like Diggs. You know, I I was betting that that late breakout would just stay. And he's still been good, but, like, it's tough to be that efficient. I mean, this is still a pretty small sample of what he's done. Uh, Yeah, that's fair. I do think with with Cup, you are looking at, like, he's not going to – If I mean, you know, we we saw this year. It's crazy. The NFL season is always a thousand times crazier than you think it's going to be, even if you tell yourself you you understand it. But it does feel like Cup has to get hurt not to not to be awesome in this offense with Stafford. Like you know what I mean? Like you're yeah, but good, good, awesome, not this awesome. Like what he's done this not year this is, awesome. Yeah, yeah. He'll hey be good. Ben, Berto's baiting you right now. Yeah, no, I think they will be steals. I'm, I'm, <laughs> don't worry, I'll be drafting them next year. DJ Moore is going to be on every one of my fucking teams next year. What's his deal? Oh. Like, can he get out of there somehow? <laughs> I want Rule gone, man. Rule, once you fire Joe Brady, I'm out on you. I know, that sucks. That's Because the, oh, they're going to fifth year option him, right? He can't. Yeah, he's a free agent until 2023. But so. Th- my hope is they will get a quarterback because they, I mean, they were in on Deshaun Watson. They, they went and got uh, Darnold. They were, there was talks about when Rogers wanted out that he, that would be a landing spot. They've, they seem to be kicking their tires on, uh, kicking the tires on like basically any quarterback that's available. I, I think that part of the reason they didn't take fields was the Rogers stuff right then. It was, it was right at the draft and they were like, we don't want to draft a first round quarterback. Like the Packers just did with Jordan Love. We want to be as open as possible to be the team that Aaron Rodgers lands with, basically. I that I mean, that's, that's the only thing that made sense to me for them. And, and frankly, the Broncos, too, both passing on on Fields and, and Mac Jones. Like, those teams were like, well, if Rodgers is available, we don't want to have just taken a top-10 quarterback. That's why he wants out of Green Bay. They took a first-round QB. But also, I'm much more open to the idea that they were mismanaged now. Yeah, that's true, too. Because I don't, I don't trust them anymore. Um. Yeah, there was another interesting one in here. People were talking. Lamb about was this. on that top two round receiver list. Do you guys think Deontay Johnson goes that high? Oh God, no. I no, I think, think we... with with Johnson, you have to. Um, I think you have to be a little bit skeptical about how he translates to another quarterback. I mean, not that it really matters, but uh, but Ben, who's the backup in Deontay Johnson? But he's retiring. No, no, I'm I'm saying yeah. it does matter because Ben yeah, fucking loves yeah. Deontay Johnson. You have to be concerned about him without Ben. Right. And Rudolph wasn't looking to Johnson the way uh Ben does. You know, because no one no one does, but uh I don't know. I mean, I think Johnson's a really good receiver. He gets open easily. Um he, he does what he does like really, really well, but I would love to have him kind of in the range of where his ADP was this year, because you're you're getting maybe a quarterback upgrade, maybe but you're also losing that connection. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's kind of in the fifth round I'd be in, but do you guys think, I think he's more expensive than that? He probably here's, is. Here's kind of a take. I, I think as we move forward broadly, the way that – I mean, there, there's a lot of good receivers. There's more good receivers now because there's more teams that are running three receivers out there. There's more vertical – you know, just more pass-happy offenses. They can catch a lot of passes. Like Deontay emerged from, from Pittsburgh, but there were multiple plays – uh, plays in that offense that were going in the top 10 rounds, you know, cup, you know, ends up emerging out of a, but what I'm trying to say is in, in, in 
ADP next year at receiver in the first sort of 10 rounds. I think it'll it'll settle in somewhere. There'll be guys that people will make as uh, you know good value cases. They'll get hype. They'll move up because they probably should be going higher. But that will push other guys down that probably shouldn't be going as low. I mean, like, think about, like, a Terry McLaurin. Like, he's had a yeah. rough year. I bet he's, like, a sixth, seventh rounder next year. And then people are going to say he's a good value. He might move up. I, I, there, I, my point is I think there's going to be shuffling with some guys like this, like Deontay, whether it's quarterback changes. And there's going to be points in the offseason where you can draft some of these different receivers. Like, more shuffling than we've seen in the past. Obviously, there always is. We're just looking at a draft board where there was. But I don't know. Do you guys think that's a, a fair thing? That It seems yeah, flatter to me. It, it, it seems flatter to me from round three to round eight. You know, well, like Judy, Marquise like Brown. Judy's going to move up and down based on what happens with the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and, and even just guys who are going to stay down, like Marquise Brown did last offseason when mm-hmm. he was higher the year before because he had kind of a down year. But the case was the same, right? They just like – and then now this year he's had a very good year. There's going to be – I mean, Cup's another example of this where like for several years he's just sort of in the same round and now he's finally hitting that ceiling. Like – Mike Williams. There's a lot of dude. Yeah, Mike Williams. There's a lot of dudes that will have ceiling in these ranges. That you know, where does T. Higgins go? Is he going the same? He probably lands right in the same spot he was last year. But like, because Chase is going to go higher than him, probably. It, I mean, I think, I think he goes more locked in. I think he's more like locked in where Moore was going in that early fourth round, fourth round. round, late third, early fourth. Yeah, I think he's right on that three four turn. Like, but he but he doesn't shuffle. He's yeah. just like a feature of the three-four turn for the whole. I think you're season. right. I think both those dudes, Chase and Higgins, are going to go so high, and then Burrow's going to get pulled up because of it, and probably rightfully so. I mean, they're 21 and 22. They're, they're, it's going to be hard to see those guys slip. But some of these others, Darnell Mooney. I'm looking at the the list right now. Like they're going to move around, and some of them have upside. Some of them maybe don't are you have buying as much. Mooney. What's, what are your thoughts on Mooney? He's been pretty good, man. And he was like a pretty underrated producer at Tulane. And I mean, I believe in fields. So yeah, I mean, I kind of am now. And I was kind of overlooking him this past offseason, actually quite a bit. Um, I did a whole article on second round or second year receivers. And I, I looked at the draft class and I completely forgot about Mooney because he was undrafted. Like I, I went through the second round. Oh, he was a fifth round pick. Um, oh, you mean in I, ADP? Oh, no, I was looking at, at draft uh, draft class, so I must have missed him or something. But I, I think I completely left him off my uh, left him off my write-up, and someone mentioned it to me. I was like, man, yeah, I have not given Mooney enough thought. I went and looked at his profile. I was like, yeah, his profile is like, not bad. He's had a good year again, too. Like, why wouldn't we be on him? In a bad situation. Yeah, he's been very good for his situation. Uh, I, I, I agree with that. I don't know the situation. I mean, I guess it, it, that's another one. Depends where the situation gets better. I'm still a little bit skeptical on Mooney. Uh, okay, I'm not. I'm not out at all. I'm. He's won me over to a large degree, but I'm still like a little, a little skeptical. That's like one of the guys where I feel like I need to do some sort of objective exercise with, to like, you know what I mean? Because I, I'm like worried I'm going to see the ADP and then be like too high, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it might not be too high. I mean, um, his. The thing I would say about him, because he, he's an air yards guy, like he's going to get vertical passes. That yeah. his targets, his target rate this year has been impressive. His targets per out run, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. and even as Robinson has been like somebody that teams don't even need to pay attention to. Like Mooney's been their number one pretty much all year, and he's been pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he's been the number target. one basically all year. Yeah. Uh, what about DeAndre Hopkins? Because you look at the like fall off from 
Allen Robinson, like who's the get the next guy who could maybe have that type of like just fall from grace. Pretty similar type of player, DeAndre Hopkins. Did not have a good year this year. It's got to, I feel like it's got to run out from Mike Evans eventually. Keenan Allen. I You're mean, saying like for Mike next Evans is year? a good one. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. who who okay. gets drafted in like the third round. But, you know, Evans won't get drafted in the third round, but I think he qualifies. Like who gets drafted like fairly early and is just like dust? Yeah. It could be Evans. I mean, Keenan Allen will probably go high again. He's been really good, but I think there are some worrying concerns with him. That's a that's an interesting one too. Yeah, it, it, and that one's a tough one, right? Because it's not like, I mean, Evans makes more sense, right? Because if if the thesis is Brady does eventually fall off a cliff, yeah, and that's like, true. where it's like Justin Herbert looks like a fucking superstar, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I'd awesome. rather bet against Evans with Brady than I would even Keenan with Justin Herbert. I don't want to admit this, For sure. and and we we need to black this out from the histories of, of the the annals of history. But if you want someone who's going to go really high that has a shot at this, it's Diggs, man. Like this, wow. he had the, the career year, and this year yeah, has been. You're right. This year's been a little bit disappointing from an efficiency standpoint. It's, he's mean, got one point nine eight yards per hour on. Like let's okay. not let's right. not like get. <laughs> all that worried about Stephon Diggs. He's still tied to Josh Allen. He's still tied. He's in a pass up the offense. Now, if they got rid of Dayball or something, uh, I, I'd be more inclined to agree. But I actually don't think that I makes me feel a lot better. I didn't, ahead of him in yards per hour run. I didn't realize he was that high in, in yards per hour run. That's good to hear. Because he still had some explosive games. Like, he still flashed the upside. Yeah. And he runs a, he runs a ton of routes. He's run 490 routes this year. I, it's probably among the highest in the league. Uh, yeah, he's he's third in the league in routes run behind Chris. I Allen, mean, Mike Evans. Th- I'm obviously biased because I was convinced Diggs was about to go on an Ant- Antonio Brown stretch of leading the league in receptions and yards for multiple seasons, and and so like my expectations were just way too high coming into this year. So the the fact that I mean the stats you're giving are great. I mean I, I'm I'm overreacting to my too high expectations. Um, you guys want to finish with a gauntlet? Draft on underdog? Sure. What is playoff draft? Playoff draft. Let's do it. Playoff draft. What are, what I mean, are the Patriots still cheap as hell like last time we did it? What what are the moves so. you guys are making? I haven't been um, drafting on it, so none. I honestly have it. They filled their first tournament and they just released this one fucking two hundred thousand dollars up top. Um playoff picture starting to come into focus a little bit. Seems like we're gonna get the Chargers. Titans uh, seem like a lock. By the way, real quick, Berto threw out Amari Cooper for this conversation of the yeah. dust balls. Oh, and I yeah, think he's yeah, actually yeah. a really interesting one too. Yeah, yeah. good call. That's a he good feels like I mean he was going what like f- late third, early fourth, late third, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, late third. Yeah. Does Lockett go that high again? I mean, Lockett has a thousand yard season already. I mean, he might end up. He's he'd be another one I would put on that list. That's an interesting one. I would be still in on Lockett. He's actually been awesome this year. Efficiency yeah, he's wise. been really good efficiency-wise. But Yeah, I'd still be in. Obviously, that assumes Russ is back. People are right. God, talking I, hope, about I hope Russ is gone. Please leave. <laughs> go somewhere. Go somewhere they appreciate you. Come on, man. They just need to fire Pete. 
I mean, that, or fire Pete. No or fire yeah. Pete. Yes. Yeah. Should we just a, a day where who who else do you guys toss in there? We get Pete Carroll. We get Urban Meyer. Who else is on our dream? Oh, Matt Nagy is, is Nagy. the top of my yeah, dream so, fire Yeah. All right. So you can only pick one coach in the league who gets fired this this offseason. Is Nag- Nagy's your pick? My, I'm taking Nagy for sure. No question in my mind. Although the problem is, is the the case you made last week, which is that they're just gonna fucking hire the next Matt Nagy. Yeah, they're gonna like, fire. He totally nailed that last week. <laughs> uh, I'll stick. It's, it's I'll... Been, it, it has uh, been uh, rent free in my head all week, dude. It's just like, oh fuck, they're gonna do that, aren't they? I'll I'll stick with Carol, right? I mean, you I have Russ Wilson at the end of his prime. You have fucking yes. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Like, can we get one season? With just a fucking pass first air raid coach, like can we just get that? I mean, we deserve yes. it. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. I think Carol's the the answer for me too, because with I mean, I would, Nagy would probably be number two for me, but you have the quarterback situation. Oh, hey, we're on the clock. We oh, you're right. Uh, I think Hill or Godwin are awesome picks. I mean, I Hill seems like. Sweet. So yeah, I mean Tampa Bay has better Super Bowl odds. Tyree Kill, higher ceiling as a, Let's do as a it. player. Let's, Let's do, do it. Tyree Kill. All right, why my mouse is fucking tweaking, but it's fine. We're at the top of the queue. Here we go. Oh, and Willis. What's Willis well, gonna do? And, and sure, we got Sherman here. Oh no. We know Willis. So let's see what Willis does. He stack. Okay, so he goes dig. So do you guys want to go? Kelsey, uh, play this through, or do you want? I think make we a go bet? Kelsey, and because if they're going to the Super Bowl, Kelsey comes back alive. Right? Yeah, true. I think so. I think and then we good. figure out our quarterback. Some, some right. It can come from the NFC team. Yeah. yeah. The Godwin, the God. I feel like. So I was starting to look at, cause I was looking at the owner's club stuff, which is a similar kind of concept to these drafts and the FFPC in the AFC. I feel like it's just such a riddle with how you want to play it. Like the Pats look like the best bet, but from just a fantasy perspective, they're just not that inspiring. And then who are you making bets on? I mean, you well, can make what about cases. She's not looking very inspiring for that. That's what now. I mean too. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to, I mean, this team aside, I don't want to make like bets on the Chiefs to make yeah. a deep run, especially the way their offense is played. <laughs> like, their defense is coming on, though. Yeah, and but, I don't know. Are they like a really exciting upside offense? I think that it's so concentrated that it is. You know, I, I guess I'm not that excited to draft like Mahomes and then stack him with like backdoor stack him. I'd rather go like we did, just get the two guys and move on. But I am excited about that, I think. All right, let's see here. I like this Cooper Cup Tom Brady. Yeah. Uh, or, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to offend anyone who might might be watching, but that's not uh, not the way that I would play it to, to take Tom Brady when I started with Cup. Let's see here. So do you, if Mahomes falls to us, this is fun. I yeah, mean, we, we have we to take Mahomes. Mahomes. We take Mahomes now. I was holding my breath. Yeah, this I was is kind too. of. I heard even I was listening to Herzig on the pod with Leone, and he said he only got this combo one time in the in the first tournament. 
I mean, it's pretty sweet. I, when you stack Hill Kelsey, it makes it hard for anyone else to take Mahomes. What do you, I mean, I think it'd be suboptimal for anyone else to take Mahomes. It would, especially because of the dynamic we were talking about, where it's not like that high of you know, octane of an offense. All right, so now we need to pick. Uh, we got to pick an NFC bet here, preferably not quarterback. Um, we could go. I, I don't like Connor, but I like. I, I like mean, Connor. I certainly like betting on the Cardinals, but and Hopkins yeah. is hurt now. Yeah, Dallas maybe. Dallas. I, is a good yeah, one. I, th- I think we throw ADP Lamb? out or go go Amari. Can Amari? we go Lamb? Is Lamb still there? No, Lamb's, Lamb's gone. gone. Go Amari. All right, we'll go Amari. I do think that is one of the edges right now. Like, and you look and you see some of these teams that aren't super correlated, like a Cup, Brady, Ceh. I do think that's where you throw ADP to focus on the team correlation is really how you get your edge in these. Yeah, the yeah. winner last year was all three three teams. I saw it at some point in the last couple of weeks. It was all the Bucks, Chiefs, and then the Browns. They had a few a few Browns, I think, to help for those first couple of weeks because they had the big games. Is that right? Did did you guys post it last week? When, when we talked about I, yeah. last week. Okay. I, I, I have it, yeah. It was a Tampa Bay and KC studs mixed in with a Browns skill position on. And that was like, you know, the, the three of the last four picks were the Browns. It was all hammering KC, and then the very last pick was Fournette. And that was obviously the key, like get Fournette. Yeah. Right. Which for us would be like Daryl Williams if we got him in the last round. Maybe he ends up, you know, having a great, but he probably doesn't go that late. I don't know. Are we going to be forced to take Zeke or do we want to grab Pollard and just fucking galbrain this? I mean, I could, I could go on board with Zeke here for sure. And like, is this the type of thing where you could just go Zeke and Pollard if we get but Pollard last round? Or is that just that dumb? Could you go, yeah, could you go Gallup Pollard? I'd rather I mean, get does that Zeke make you a Gallup. stronger way of playing Dallas to, to get Gallup? Let's see in there? their ADPs. So ADP 29.8, Prescott 37.1, Gallup 49.3, 50.1. So these guys are these guys are going at like the four or five turn. So here's another thing with Zeke, and I you know, I you know I hate that I'm doing or no, this, but my math is wrong on that. But Go like ahead. from an ADP perspective, this thing's gonna run past this week, right? So yeah. If Pollard doesn't really play this week you know and it's like or he plays and doesn't look the same because this torn plantar fascia i mean zeke's adp is going to rise so yeah but do you want to play zeke i mean i i think i don't want i think the the better way to play dallas is through pollard cost adjusted because like we could get dak even here and then we have mahomes and dak you know and then you i get do think Gallup and pollard because if because we're getting a wild card quarterback, I do think the dominant strategy is only one quarterback because we're playing this as Chiefs Super Bowl. Okay. Wait, the Chiefs are they're going to be wild card? Yeah, there's only one team with a bye, right? There's well, only they're one tied. Team with a bye. They're tied right now with New New England and Tennessee with the best record. Yeah, I mean, we could definitely get boned. I just feel like the way we played this, the optimal like first place equity move is to just let Mahomes ride. Um, okay. Do you want it? I, I think just based on ADP here, we can do Zeke if you guys want to. I, I just, I feel like you can get a stronger build of Dallas upside without playing just by like, so who's your all, who's your all pick here? It would be an NFC skill position player. 
I don't really have a good one. All right, I'm just going to put Zeke in. I mean, you know I hate this pick, but I just feel like it's kind of the... Yeah. It fits what we need. Yeah, I think we can take the risk at a 14% here. Because I think... Yeah. He can get TDs. I mean, he can he can score. It's not... All right, we're, we're back on the clock. I do think we're kind of set up here for a 4-3-3 construction. Um, I think we can pick... I think we can play this from either conference. Do you guys just see a player up here that you particularly like? Dylan. How about... You yeah. Know? You want to take Dylan? Sure. And we'll just go... We'll go heavy. Now we'll go Packers... Cowboys, Chiefs. Yeah. Because Packers have some like MVS type, you know, dart throw yeah. stuff that you but can do. Are the Packers going to get the buy? Right. Oh. But it doesn't matter if, as long as we get our Chiefs in the wild card round, we're, we're happy with this construction. Oh, the Chiefs in the wild card is what we're playing. Got it. Yeah. We're, we're playing and then the Cowboys. To, to get four games. Got it. And Cowboys won't have a buy. So we'll, we can sit on Dylan. I do love Dylan for playoff contests. Like I, I think he could just explode. Yeah. And you're, you could be rolling into the, the Super Bowl. It's pretty easy to see yourself rolling to the Super Bowl. And you're like scrolling through like which, which ones have Dylan, <laughs> you know? Well, and the thesis with Dylan, you know, it's the same as all the premium zero RB candidates where there's multiple paths mm-hmm. to, where it's like yeah. he just outplays him or it's game plan specific. We've seen them want to use him in the cold months, you know, in, in those big games or Aaron Jones gets hurt. There, there's like lots of outs for him. Yeah. Nobody's drafting CEH, huh? Or did he go? Not that CEH went like, early. CEH went in the, like, the okay. third round, I think. And Ramondre is like the AFC version of AJ Dillon. I can't believe Dak is still here. Yeah, what do you think about Dak at this point? How many rounds are there? This seems like maybe we take Dak. Yeah, so I mean, just listening to Herzig talk about it, he doesn't think it's optimal to take two quarterbacks, okay. but I, I don't... Oh, you just take one? No, we don't have draft. If If you have a wild card quarterback okay. and you're playing that side heavy... Got it. So who do you guys think here, though? I mean, maybe MVS, maybe Pollard. Um, Pollard. I yeah. Pollard would be pretty interesting. Take Take both Zeke and Pollard. Yeah, we could go Zeke and Pollard and then Gallup grab. Let's see here. Gallup went. Um okay. we could always get Schultz. I think MVS is interesting. And and we can get Lazard too at some point for, for Green Bay. Yeah, and we can get or Dar- Darrell Williams, but I don't know if we want to go with fucking four running backs. No, probably no. not. I think we're good with these three backs. All right. So you want to take MVS here? Sure. Yeah, that's that's a good one. So we have two more. It's so hard to pass Dak at that point. I know. But when you have Cooper, Zeke, and Pollard. Where's the CD Lamb team? The Gallup team already has Stafford and Brady. He's gonna go. Where's the Lamb team? The Lamb team has Kyler. So like they might they might just give him. They might take him. They'll take him. They'll probably take him on the comeback, right? But if he's available to us in the second to last round, I think we I mean we kind of have to take him. 
We got to get, what do we need now, Pete? Another receiver? Yeah. I think we want to add uh, a Pringle uh, or Hardman or Demarcus Robinson type. What about Schultz? Is he there? Uh, yeah, Schultz is there. I, I would say Schultz, one of the yeah. ancillary. Those are our last two picks. Lazard is, I mean, another option. And Lazard. And just go one, three, and all receivers. Yeah, he could also, I mean, yeah. Is Tunyon doing anything these days? He tore his ACL. He's on IR. He's been on IR for like how does how does he have an ADP? (laughs) I don't know. He tore his ACL weeks ago. Jesus. I didn't know if he was coming back with that ADP. I guess he doesn't have one. He's got a projection for some reason. All right. So, so if Dak makes it here, you were not taking him. I'm okay. I can, taking like, Dak I can theoretically understand why that might be the case, but at the same time, it seems hard to reconcile. I mean, we definitely boost our this expectancy of getting out. I'm, this I'm, I'm completely right fine taking him here. This, this, this pick's this is Dak. It's got to be. He just took. He's Jefferson. got CD. He's not really correlating that much either. So, like. Well, if he takes Dak, then we're taking Schultz. Schultz. Okay. Schultz and then like probably Pringle on the bring back. So he yeah. takes well, Mixon. I took Mixon. Wow. Okay. He this guy can't take a quarterback. I mean, he could. I feel like we have to take Dak. We can't. Right? I mean, please do. <laughs> I know. think we go I think we go Dak Schultz now. Yeah. If we take Dak, I think yeah, we have yeah. to take Schultz. I think we yeah. take Dak. Then we have yeah. five Cowboys. We're in a really nice I mean, we have the KC stack on the other side, but we're we're like a Cowboys let's team. take Dak, man. I mean, what the hell? We're, we're playing the Cowboys to play four games now. I mean, this is great. I kind of actually like how this shook out. It's pretty great. We only have, for Green Bay, we only have Dylan and MVS. It's just a straight Cowboys Chiefs Super Bowl. And it's the yeah. it's the Chiefs upside, right? Like the, the Chiefs and Sillery players, it's such a concentrated team. It's hard to, it's, it's hard to really like any of those bets, right? Pringle or Meikle. Exactly. Or yeah, you'd yeah. rather take an ancillary piece on Dallas. It's so much more spread out. <laughs> you could turn around and flip this. <laughs> All right, dude, that's a guys... great point, dude. <laughs> I like this team a lot. It's a great I like it. team. It's exactly a, what how I think, like just the general kind of structural approach with these playing a KC Dallas Super Bowl, Green Bay. Couple that Green Bay a little games. mix in, and I love that we have both Zeke and Pollard. Like you have, I, I feel like sort of locked in upside there in our in our scenario where Dallas is basically playing four games, but also like they can both produce in any given game. You know, right? Yeah. If Dallas has some some big passing wins, we can have the Dak games, and then we can have the Mahomes games where you know if both the running backs score TD, then then we're in good shape on that side of of how they can play. Let's see here. Uh, Willis. Uh, oh, where did my team go? That's such a fun team. They don't usually it's a work very out fun that team. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Willis, uh, Godwin Diggs. So he has the Diggs, Allen, uh, Beasley. Beasley that late is nice. Um, has a Godwin, Antonio Brown, also Darrell Henderson, Odell Beckham. Oh, Willis buying the dip on uh, some of these injured guys here. Let's see. Anyone Eli else? Mitchell. Sure. Willis gets I think, 
I, I think Willis did really well. The one thing I would say is those one-offs at the end are just tough with, with Mitchell yeah. and, and Chase. Cause you're like, I mean, based on what we saw last year, you kind of have to be in on certain teams and just take shit. Like Fournette didn't feel like a good pick last year, but he ended up being, you know, the best pick in the last round. Right. You just keep picking guys. Cause at this time last year, Ronald Jones was their guy. Fournette was just a backup, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sam- I do wonder, like there are, you know, cause we've only had this the one year and they've, their years from doing the playoff challenge were like Amari Cooper went, off in the first round so i i do wonder if this year maybe there's uh you know it's like you need to go team stacks like imagine if there was just like um like a team that won it i think could have just as easily maybe had you know things play out differently could have had like very correlated team with like one piece who just went ham in the first two rounds and got eliminated that could have been the four net so i don't mind taking a stab like that sure with your last round pick but like uh, yeah, it could have been, it could have been Singletary who didn't go and and been a part of the Bills thing. It could have been Ronald Jones, and you're playing Fournette to get hurt in these next few weeks, and then because you already have a couple of bucks. Like I think yeah, I would a good point. prefer that's those good point. picks over Mitchell probably in this format. Yeah, I was kind of more defending the Chase pick. Yeah, uh, Chase pick is hard to pass up at that point, yeah. right? Yeah, but I yeah. agree with you. I, I would rather take like a total dart throw stab on a on a correlated uh, guy over Eli. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I know Sam said he didn't like his draft here out of the one hole, but I, I kind of like it that Adams, Aaron Jones, he was trying to set up the Green Bay stack, but then he kind of pivoted and got the Eckler, Mike Williams, but then he he scooped up all the Tennessee value late. And like their playoff odds are great. And you get Derrick Henry, Tannehill, and AJ Brown. And then he also kind of got Garoppolo. Yeah. Wow. So it's a little bit more spread, but this construction is concentrated on studs, right? Mm-hmm, like mm. if those offenses stay really concentrated and go far, like that, that team could be successful. Yeah. I mean, it's SF Tennessee Super Bowl, where, you know, green Bay and the chargers also do good things. That that could be all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's only four um, teams total, right. That he, that he has exposed. Yeah. To. Yeah. yeah I, like I don't think some... you want to be more than four teams. It's sort of like my, it'll be sort yeah. of hard and fast. That rule. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of like that just, I mean, we've seen the Chiefs when the Chiefs are at their best, they are just hyper concentrated through yeah. Kelsey and Hill anyway. So I don't mind that bet. And that's why I was thinking through with like the we've started talking for the for the listeners, we've already started chatting about the FFPC playoff contest a little bit. And so my mind's starting to go there. Um and obviously we're gonna have a full week of content on that. But uh just like thinking through those playoff bets, it does become important about how the team actually wins games. And so like I do like betting on Kelsey a lot because if the Chiefs win, if the Chiefs make the Super Bowl, Kelsey was good, right? There's like what what scenarios work the Chiefs make the Super Bowl was Kelsey not good in the playoffs. Yeah, there's none. How how the hell did Mahomes come back? <laughs> like that we got that Hill, Kelsey, Mahomes and then got a lot of of Dallas firepower. I mean, we got Amari. It's not like we were just punting on Dallas. We got Zeke Pollard, Amari Schultz, Dak. Like, that's a really good Dallas lineup. And mm-hmm. with their yeah. pass rush and everything, they could they could make some noise. I mean, this might be their Best year. Pass I was saying that in the league, I think. Yeah. I was saying, I think I threw a note to you guys in our little chat this week when I watching their game against Washington. It was just like, man, their pat their D line is fucking good. Yeah, it is really yeah. good. Um, all right, guys. 
going to shut this down uh, for tonight. We appreciate you guys hanging out. Uh, good luck uh, as you start the first week of your playoff contest here in week 15. It's going to be a wild one uh, as far as the COVID news. I think uh, not all the shoes yeah. have dropped there. So stay nimble. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you have loaded your bench up with contingency plays. Uh, Gretch, anything else uh, on your radar? No. I'm still I'm same as Pat. I'm already thinking about the playoff contest so much. I'm I'm so excited. <laughs> and I, we we've mentioned this a few times, but we're legit going to plan five days of best ball content between week 18 and the wild card round. Playoff contest content, not, not best ball content. Sorry. I uh, yes. I mean it's essentially best ball, but yes, playoff content uh is going to be firing here on Chip Chasey. We'll get that schedule out once we solidify that. Pat, anything else going on in your world? Well, just before uh, we jumped on the show here, I was rewatching the Kenny G documentary. You got to check it out. It's so good, dude. Pat, I watched it. I watched. You did? It. I, I I meant to. I meant to message you about it, and I did really appreciate the uh, the recommendation. Yes. Uh, for, I, for, for the listeners, the backstory is we were having a random conversation, and, and Pat just pivoted to like a football conversation. Just what, like a couple days ago, a week ago, yeah. and you were like, "Have you guys seen the Kenny G documentary?" I thought that was like the, and then you had to teach me what a non sequitur was because I, I didn't know if that was a non sequitur <laughs> or not. I think you asked him what Pete did was a non sequitur because he made yeah. a joke, and I was like, "I think I did a non sequitur by yeah, recommending sure. the Kenny G doc when you were talking about." Oh no, I made a Diggs or whatever. I, I made a jazz <laughs> joke about Ramadre. Uh, yeah, but oh, anyway, right. uh, I I legitimately want to talk to you about the Kenny G doc because it it was awesome. Uh, yeah, it's so I thought good. It was really well done. Well, we'll uh, be back here next week, and everyone listen. To, watch the Kenny G doc, and then we'll have Kenny G thoughts. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I have homework now for next week. <laughs> It's like whatever is in your head, like when you first, if someone says the name Kenny G, like whatever emotions or things you feel, yeah. that is exactly what's described in the documentary. It just yes. describes those feelings and fleshes them all out. And you're like, yes, yes. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. But there's so many things you don't know about Kenny G, the person, like Kenny G's whole like career, like how his music has expanded around the world in some very interesting ways. Yeah. It's incredible. It's an incredible documentary. Yes, uh, I have thoughts on it. Well, maybe we'll chop it up uh, next week once Gretch watches it. Um, all right, guys, appreciate you. Uh, subscribe to the channel. We'll be back next Wednesday. Good luck in week 15.